Yeah. <laughs> so We're how back. are you, Steve? We're uh, back. Yeah. Doing all right. Doing all right. How are you doing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, any big plans for the morrow? So tomorrow morning, I am going to be getting up early so that I can smoke a pork shoulder. Uh, friend of mine is in the process of surviving cancer. And so I joined the meal train for her and her husband and her young son. And what's funny is that I looked through the other meals that people are making, and they're making fairly refined stuff, right? Little salmon dishes and stuff like that. So I'm smoking a pork shoulder, and I'm going to give them cornbread and baked beans and uh, candied sweet potatoes. All right. Uh, and none of this has anything to do with the big game. No. Oh, you know what? Uh, I keep forgetting that there's a game going on between <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend and San Francisco. Uh, Is it yeah, the 49ers? Which, yeah. It was, it's really between Taylor Swift and the GOP, but uh, yes. Fair. Uh, that's fair. How <laughs> dare she try to get people to register to vote? I love that like she doesn't even tell people who to vote for, because why would she? But she is this, like, super dangerous entity to the right because how dare she get people, you know, 18, 19-year-olds to vote. Yeah. How dare she? If you're afraid of people voting, you're probably wrong about your <laughs> stance on things, right? Yeah. Like, or at least move to not a democracy. Fair. Yeah, which is where we're headed, so yay. A million years ago... At my very first job, my boss realized that I had some sort of a natural talent and for some reason, a desire to keep working in restaurants. And he took me aside and he said, Randall, you could be really good at this and you could go far if you could just learn to keep your mouth shut. If you're listening to this, you'll know I took part of that advice. <laughs> uh, so no, as far as... As far as the bowl is concerned, super or otherwise, I don't have anything going on tomorrow. I'm going to hide in my house, and I don't know. My neighborhood seems to be pretty strictly either, I would say, young or youngish families like my age, or extremely old-ass people. So there will likely be pockets of dead silence in the neighborhood and huge-ass parties. Yeah. But the other thing is that, like, I don't know, we're not that close to where either of those teams are from. So... How, yeah. Like, it would be a much bigger deal if the Chicago Bears were in the Super Bowl. Yes. Or the Detroit Lions, because, boy, did they really give it a shot toward the end. Yeah, they were real close. Yeah. Um, I, it is, the Super Bowl is kind of a food holiday that we've never talked about, but then I, it, I feel like it's a prepackaged food holiday, and we've already talked about chip salad, so I don't know what's left. Y yes, but it's also really, uh, we should look into, at some point, today would have been the day to do it, uh, the marketing genius behind whoever said, okay, there is this game called football, which very few feet are involved. There is a ball. That's true. It's not shaped like a ball, though. So what is the appropriate food for that? Chicken wings, which are essentially garbage. Because this time of year at a restaurant, the price of wings goes way, way up. They become scarce. And it's because everybody is buying wings for their parties they're having at home plus all of the restaurants that don't normally serve wings are suddenly serving wings yeah. for the super bowl and whoever it was whichever like uh bernays style genius it was who probably also said man you know what cinema really requires is popcorn it's that same level of like you can't say super bowl without saying wings yeah okay so here's a here's a restaurant question for you if you if you're running say you say you're running a Schmapplebee's or something you know uh, uh, something like that along yeah, those yeah, lines, yeah. Um, 
or 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 place at, at least that would fit for both of these. You've got the big game, Super Bowl Sunday tomorrow. Wednesday you have Valentine's Day. How long are you coasting on that income? Oh, for two months. <laughs> it really that uh, that's you know uh, you've struck gold with those two things. But I mean, the Super Bowl is always around Valentine's Day. Yeah, so. and it just dawned on me this year thinking about it because the other big one is Mother's Day, right? Yep, coming up at what middle of May? Yeah. Is, sure. is Mother's Day in May? I don't know. I have a mother and a wife who is a mother, and I can't keep this crap straight. Yeah, I just wait for it to pop up on something to remind me. Um, but those are like the big, big ones. Is there any other? I mean, I guess Easter brunch could be a thing. Depending on where you are, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's not it's not as big as Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, right? Sweetest Day hasn't really become the same as Valentine's Day. Sweetest Day is the D.C super watered down attempt to have a marvel <laughs> holiday to to com- compete with valentine's day that wasn't that invented by hallmark to sell cards yeah that's that's the common um you know thing that is said i don't know honestly where it came from if it was swedish day i would be much more happy with that <laughs> Maybe maybe like that's a, how it started. It's a bastardized a themed of... holiday. Come on, <laughs> you celebrate at IKEA. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> IKEA's day to strike gold. A Swedish day. Yeah. Why? So knowing, so Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, those aren't six months apart, right? No. no. Um. So you'd think you'd want something then. Um. May, June, July, around August. Why right. hasn't the restaurant industry been like, you know what? It's food day, August. 20th right and it's the day we celebrate and and just have food at restaurants (laughs) i mean well right uh i don't know it it always feels like restaurants are more of a victim of food-based holidays than anything else right like yeah if you run a bar and halloween happens thursday friday saturday or sunday you know you are about to have a banner weekend right like you're gonna have the weirdest weirdos dressed up in the weirdest costumes drinking the most expensive shots for four days straight if that day happens any of those four days all of those other days are involved they all get invited to the party but it's not fun that's not a fun (laughs) weekend for you you're like oh crap yeah here comes halloween and it's on a friday right that means you're gonna get the most insane people on friday and it's gonna be at like three in the afternoon until close you're gonna get the slightly more sane people who are like we're getting this out of the way thursday saturday completely unhinged people who are gonna fight and then sunday you get all the people who are like we're gonna wait we're gonna wait to go out in our sexy nurse costumes until sunday and that's where you get much larger groups is that sunday where people are like let's go out as a pack because we skipped all of the stuff during halloween yeah, and then but, Monday, but it's not, it, like it's not like restaurants were like, "Hey, we want to have a thing where the craziest people in the world show up in huge herds." <laughs> uh, Monday, you get half a day off, and Tuesday, your boss uh, has a new car. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to In the Weeds with Ben Randall. I am Ben Randall, and I'm Stephen Cadwell. And yeah. A lot of food holidays in the States, aside from Mother's Day, very, very specifically Mother's Day, the food holidays happen at home, right? So like Fourth of July is a grilling holiday. Labor Day is a grilling holiday. 
Valentine's Day is a it's deuce nightmare, right? So like even if your restaurant is mostly four tops or bank ba- banquettes and stuff like that, it's only two tops, right? It's just couples. Which makes ticket times weird, it makes it harder to manage your flow on the floor, that kind of stuff. So nobody wants that. Uh New Year's Eve turns into it's either deuces or it's groups of like 90 people <laughs> who take over your entire private dining room. Um Christmas, not a huge dining out holiday, neither is Thanksgiving, but around those dates, people are going out because they know they're going to do so much work at home for those particular holidays. So those, like the interim days, and especially like that week between Christmas and, and, and New Year's, people are not sitting at home eating the last of the cheese ball. They're going out, you know, because they also have people in town. They have people they want to entertain, and you don't necessarily want to do that at your actual house. Yeah. Food holiday, St. Patrick's Day is another bar holiday. Apologies to all uh, Irish Americans. Um, Cinco de Mayo is another bar holiday. Apologies to all Mexican Americans. But there's not, yeah, like, even though we now have a national food day for every single, it's like, oh, national pierogi day. Like, no, people don't (laughs) care about that stuff. National pancake day. Motherfuckers, I'll eat pancakes any day. Stop it. Yeah, well, I can name a pancake restaurant. I cannot name a pierogi restaurant. I was just talking to a chef buddy of mine today about a pierogi restaurant, and he was super excited to tell me about how good they were compared to other pierogi restaurants, and I didn't have the heart to tell him I did not know that pierogi restaurants existed. <laughs> Much <laughs> less that there was a gradation in quality, right? Yeah. Between, I guess I'm between the to two of them? Out. Right. <laughs> between those two in the whole world. No, like, I guess I'm going to have to check it out because I, I don't eat a lot of pierogies for no good reason. I just don't. And... Uh, I guess I should start because there yeah. are apparently not only bad pierogi restaurants, but really, really good ones here in the city of Chicago. I'm I'm guessing that Grandma Pierogies is the winner, um, beating out pierogi question mark. <laughs> <laughs> what would I call a pierogi restaurant? I don't know enough about pierogies. It's a, it's a ravioli. It's a Polish ravioli full of potatoes and cabbage. It's your pierogative. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, I actually have nothing. I set myself up for a joke, and I have no joke. <laughs> I I cannot come up with a hey, cool name for a pierogi restaurant. Pierogies, no joke. <laughs> right. Fucking serious pierogies. <laughs> Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, if you live in the city of Chicago or have, and you have a favorite pierogi restaurant, please let us know. Best way to get a hold of us is in the weeds WBR at gmail.com. My Instagram, where if I seem a little loopy tonight, you'll be able to see the enormous ribeye that I ate for dinner tonight. Uh, if you look at my Instagram, which is Chef Ben Randall. I you'll also, also a... see his new fish lamp, I presume. Oh, man, I should have bought that thing. I'm going to go back on Monday if they're still open and, and buy it. That thing was nuts. <laughs> a stained glass fish lamp. Like a Tiffany lamp, except it's a bass. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um <laughs> We also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group where you can get a hold of us, and Steve runs a website for us. In the weeds, WBR.com. And we're going to be talking about some fairly gross articles today about the people in Maine having lost their minds and shit like that. And you'll find all those articles up on the website. If, uh, if you want to have a little bit more background or we miss something, it's all going to be in there. Yep, yep. So are there any good pierogi restaurants near you, Steve, in, uh, in southwest Michigan? Not that I know of, but I don't even know if there are. I did go to a Polish bakery. We're hoping to get some punchkis. I know it's oh, a little yeah. early, um, but that's this this Tuesday, right? Is it this Tuesday? Yep, Fat Tuesday's coming right up. 
Um, so, but, uh, and it was run by a, there's a, there's a Polish contingent in South Bend. So, uh, this is, it was a little old Polish lady could have been in my old neighborhood in Chicago. That's a Polish neighborhood up there, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, no, no punchkis, uh, only Saturdays and Fat Tuesday and at, yeah. at farmer's market. <laughs> so okay uh so I, I got some donuts they were very soft and they were good um but we were unfortunately we did get a uh a bismarck which is more or less uh punchki yeah well so in as much as every culture has a dumpling like how i just horribly maligned pierogies by calling them uh polish ravioli filled with potatoes and cabbage every culture <laughs> has a dumpling every culture i would say more or less every culture for a given value of every, has a, a, a donut, a fried dough sort of a thing that you stuff, right? So it's a Bismarck, it's a Long John, it's a Punchki, it's a Sufganiyot, right? Like, everybody has one of these things. I don't, there has to be an Asian version of that as well. Like, I've, I've, I've seen it, like the, um, well, there's the tapioca or boba donut thing that we had when we went yeah. up to that market but there's also one but i i don't know if that's indigenous to that culture or right. if they were like i don't know fucking people like these donuts we'll make these things too i've been burned enough in this town because there's a craze for punchkis around fat tuesday in chicago and that's fine but when you start producing something at volume, you sacrifice quality. That is just how that works, right? That's yeah. That's simply how that works. There's the um, the engineer's math, which is you can have it uh, good, fast, or cheap. Pick two, right? I would say that in restaurants, you can have it small batch. I don't know how that works out. There's some sort <laughs> of a math there where the more you're making, the worse they are. Simple as that, right? Yeah. And so I have been burned in this city a bunch of times getting punchkis and being way disappointed in them because, like, you wait for these things and then you get them and you're like, is that canned cherry pie filling inside of this, like, kind of stale donut? And it's just because of the process of making these things and letting them cool and stuffing them and then boxing them and then selling them. And you're like, by the time you get to them, it's like, okay, well, this thing's three days old and gross. Yeah. Well, that's why we were hoping to do the Polish bakery because we thought, oh, what yeah. they're and it's because they make everything there. Um, so we, we'll probably get some from Sweetwaters, which are, yeah. will be fine. But again, it is just a it's just a uh, a Bismarck more or less, right? It's just a yeah. any a jelly donut. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting thing that I just learned, and I forget where I learned it. Maybe it was some sort of trivia somewhere. I must it was definitely some sort of trivia somewhere, but I don't remember where. Um, Punchki is plural. Oh. Do you know what the singular is? No, but I hope it's awful. It is it isn't. It's punchik. Huh. So you'd have one punchik or several punchki. <laughs> Both of those words are adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I would Grogu would be yeah. a fun one to be advertising punchki. Or uh-huh. punchik. And there's no way he's eating just one either. Yeah. That little would, dick can eat. When we were in college, a punchik was something else. Uh-huh. Yeah. But we won't. Well, and it's not even remotely spelled the way that it sounds. No. So that's another thing I've never truly understood is if it's the same alphabet, more or less, how can the phonetic spelling be so off? Well, but it's got the it's got the C with the um yeah. uh, the large intestine, right? 
Well, yeah, the C with the comma in the middle of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that, I don't know where the N, N sounds come from. When uh-huh. I first saw the word, I was like, oh my God, have I been pronouncing this incorrectly my entire life? But right, no, I grew up in is, Michigan. It's P-A-C-Z-K-I. You yeah. find an, a double O and an N in there. Because <laughs> it ain't there. Yeah. But again, like, I I don't speak Polish, right? I don't, uh, I, I don't know. So I just can see that word. And I can hear that sound in my head, but it still always feels weird. Yeah. Yes, it does. Which it would be is like why... if, if toothpaste tasted like roast beef. That's the dis. That's the dissonance <laughs> there. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but is that just because I'm programmed to say that? I don't know. Yeah. I yeah, you got me. It ain't Cyrillic. It's not like it's a Russian word because those yeah. all of those characters could sound like anything. I don't know. Yes, that is a different alphabet for sure. Yeah. But French has some uh, extra letters too, right? French definitely has the C with a comma in it, but I don't know that there's extra letters. Spanish, for the longest time, had letters that were amalgams, right? So like two L's together made a Y sound. There was the N with the tilde over it that made the Ñ sound. Um, but I think they've actually gotten rid of them. Oh, really? And, and so instead of having an, an AJ, which is the two L's, you just have two L's and you know it makes that sound, but it's not a separate letter. Because it, I think it, I think it was a keyboard issue. I think it was like we can't have we can't have these redesigned keyboards because it's too weird to try to type. Curious, interesting. Yeah. And and also in French, it doesn't make this. It doesn't make an N sound either. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Poland, I don't know. But I, but I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not dragging you. I'm not throwing shade. But um, there's a reason that I don't speak Polish. Well, there's several. <laughs> right. Right. So now, do you have, because my family does not, do you have Fat Tuesday traditions that you observe at this time of year? No, we do not. Okay. We never never have. Because it's um, Fat Tuesday and then Ash Wednesday and then what's Thursday? Oh, uh, it would just be the first day of Lent, right? Ah, okay. Or is Wednesday, is Ash Wednesday technically the first day of Lent? I don't know. I've, I've never, not a it's, terribly religious dude, me, which is funny because so many of my jobs have been organized religion based yeah especially of late yeah i don't know ben maybe someone's trying to uh (laughs) (laughs) oh no my my uh, aversion to organized religion is just being emphasized (laughs) and and uh food wise as well so fat tuesday well so fat tuesday was because uh and we never i never did this growing up and we still don't um you uh there are many traditions where you um you give something up for lent yeah, for the yeah. 40 days of lent um so the fat tuesday was you use up all the sugar and lard in your cupboard so that you don't have it you can't use it because you're giving you're giving that up oh. for lent okay so that's so that's where punchkis came from is using up all that stuff we need to use up all this stuff we'll make these we'll eat them on fat tuesday because we know we're going to be giving this stuff up for the 40 days. And then uh, fish fries, which are ubiquitous in many parts of the country. Michigan, I guess. for sure. Yeah. Um, but those came about because the the Pope had to say, <laughs> okay, fine, fish is not meat. Yeah. You can eat fish on uh, during Lent because you give up meat, red meat. Yeah. I, d- I don't know. I'm not Catholic. Um, but that's also where we found the one, was it muskrat? What was the weird meat festival over in near detroit yeah do you remember yeah. that it was muskrat because that just struck me as the, what a not food animal 
Yeah, and that was the same thing that it, they made. They they didn't they didn't have the Pope say it was uh not red meat or not meat, but they did have the Pope or someone uh say that it's a fish, <laughs> so that they could eat it and have a have a muskrat fry or whatever in uh, on Friday. So. This may be apocryphal, but my understanding of the whole fish thing is based on corruption and cronyism in as much as the Pope at that time, his brother was a fishmonger. And so he said, fish on Fridays is okay. And his brother's business went bonkers. But I I could be, that could be something that's totally made up that I just have believed because corruption in the Catholic Church sounds about right to me. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I couldn't name um, many popes. Uh, so sure. I, I uh, uh, it could be true. It might not be. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Pope Fisherman the second. I don't know. So <laughs> uh, who knows? I, in this country, I would almost say that the food traditions around the Super Bowl, that nearly counts as religious observation. Yeah. Because there's ritual to it. It's on a certain day. There is like a, 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 almost a prescribed type of food style of service timing of service right like there's it's a ritualistic notion does every restaurant get a holiday or every type because fat tuesday that's your donuts like if yeah. you do donuts and you're not making a punchki or something at least in the midwest um you're you're missing out and i you'd think that they'd be pushing hard on that other places too like i mean i'm sure there are there got to be some fat tuesday things going on in nolens right yeah oh yeah um one of my staff members is down there right now. Still staff. Yeah, on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so there's that. Um, uh, Super Bowl is wings and pizza. Huge day for pizza. Yeah. Well, and then things in casserole dishes that you're supposed to stick chips into, right? Like bean yeah. dips, seven-layer dips, things like that. Like uh, ch- chili with cheese on top of it that you're supposed to dip chips into. Do you think like every Super Bowl Sunday, like Velveeta has to open their warehouse? I know they oh, don't yeah. advertise that that it's aged, but it's got to be. I'm imagining some like Jack Daniels type warehouse where they're <laughs> dusting off the barrels, and there's the devil's cut and the angel share and uh, yeah. of of the cheese goo, and then they um, send that out because they they gotta. That's all homemade stuff, though, for the most right, part, right? right? Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want to have more or less hand food because people are going to be sitting in all kind of awkward places crammed into your living room to watch this football game. And so you want to have food. You're not having a steak while you're watching the Super Bowl because right. that's 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 going to take up too much of your attention. The other thing is that, like, the food is not necessarily the star, and so you don't want food that's going to take you out of the game, right? You don't want yeah. something that's too interesting. Yeah, because you know what doesn't happen, although I would love to see it, is uh, Alinea is not buying airtime to run a Super Bowl ad. Correct. Right. Uh, and they're not making little football-shaped amuse-bouche. Right. Know, that they're <laughs> shelling out of their restaurant. Yeah. Uh, not, or if not, they are, it's somehow really tone-deaf and offensive. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if... Uh, I mean, surely they're just closed tomorrow, right? I'm, although their clientele probably might not be Super yeah. Bowl people anyway. Although their clientele could be Super Bowl, like uh, NFL owners. team owners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, maybe if they wanted to be really tone deaf and offensive, their amuse-bouche could be something extremely bitter. Some sort of like a a little a little football-shaped cookie or, or 
a canelled sort of a thing that looks like a football that's Detroit Lions colored. That or, would do it. Or they're serving lion and bear. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I have not watched a Super Bowl in a million years. When I worked for Fancy Wine Bar, what is that, 18 years ago now? They had their manager holiday party as a Super Bowl party every year, and they closed one of the locations just for that. So we watched the Super Bowl. We ate duck cone fee nachos and other fancy. Like, whatever you would have for Super Bowl food, we did the fancy version of it. Honestly, that was a rad party. That was a very cool party. But we all kind of were in on the joke, and we all – it wasn't like some of the staff came in and did – like, we all did the cooking. We all, you know, served the booze and whatever. So it was it was a very cool vibe. Yeah, I can I've I've had um get I've gone to Super Bowl parties. I've never hosted one, but I've gone to some where it was the company that was being kept that made yeah. it the you know, fun, not not because I cared about what was going on. I would have an ironic Super Bowl party where every single thing you ha- you eat is in a really gigantic bowl. <laughs> Just like pudding, right? It's like a giant bowl of pudding, giant bowl of popcorn, like caramel corn, that kind of thing. I like it. I think you've created a restaurant. And, I mean, the other thing is, yes, half of the people watching the Super Bowl, although not this year, the demographics are off this year, but half of the people watching the Super Bowl just want to see the really cool commercials, which is such an insane inversion of the human experience into capitalism where people are tuning into this football game with the intention of watching something that is designed to sell them something else like what is the that's it's dizzying this year enough of the people are going to be watching to catch glimpses of taylor swift that i mean it changes the whole thing i kind of can't wait for the uh, political fallout from this whole thing or at least the political pundit fallout yeah uh the the only ad I'm looking forward to, if you could call it that, the one the one that I will look for afterward is I saw, I'm sure you've probably seen it as well. They the the caption is call this an ad for an ad for an ad, but evidently it looks like Christopher Walken is going to be in a uh, Super Bowl ad. So oh, cool! I will see what the, for BMW perhaps, or it was a car company. I don't even remember which. So so far not effective. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I always just go back and watch the movie trailers. That's all I want to see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good this call. year's kind of ugly for movies. So we're, we're feeling the effect of the writer's strike and the, right. the actor strike yeah. this year. I just watched – this is so far off of a food podcast right now. <laughs> I watched Aquaman 2, Aquaman Harder uh, yesterday, and it's terrible. <laughs> it was either Aquaman 2, Aquaman Harder, or Aquaman 2, Underwater Boogaloo. I guess I like that second one better. It's re- – ladies and gentlemen, if I can help you out and save you two hours, that movie is fucking terrible. Uh, not a lot of food in that movie, so it doesn't really fit with this show. Well, really, any of the fish could be... True. I don't know how many fish there were. A, f- a fair amount. There were a lot of fish. Yeah. Whales. A lot of whales. Oh, well. Yeah. I Which guess. are not fish, but they live in that area. You know? Yeah. They're like they're could be fish food. by association. Yeah, that movie was terrible. All right. So... <laughs> Uh, oh, man. First thing I want to talk about today, Steve, now that we're a half an hour in, is last weekend I dragged my family to Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. How, f- where, where in Wisconsin is this? It is between Milwaukee and Madison. Okay, so, and that is, so Madison is further north than Milwaukee, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
It is an hour and 48 minutes from my house. So we spent that amount of time driving there and that amount of time driving back. If you do not know where Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin is, ladies and gentlemen, you are in the vast majority of people because that town (laughs) is tiny. We drove up there because there is a fort, which we did not see. Because whatever, we didn't see it. Um, There is a big dairy called the Jones Dairy that has a restaurant and a big, like, you can buy cheese and you can buy uh, meat products and you can buy scrapple. You can buy all kind of stuff there, ice cream. It was okay. They also have the National Dairy Shrine Museum. The shrine part threw me off a little bit. I didn't necessarily see a shrine. And I don't know why it was a shrine museum, because it was really just a dairy museum. But it was definitely on par with the Mustard Museum, in as much as the staff were very enthusiastic about (laughs) dairy-related things. Nice. And it was informational enough. I didn't really think that I had much to learn about uh, dairy stuff. Uh, but it was a cool old, uh, I guess it was some some old house that was donated and then they built the uh, museum around the house. They had a room that was full of taxidermy birds that people had apparently gone out and killed, many of which are now extinct. Like they had a mounted passenger pigeon. It was just like, well, this one is one of the ones that got killed before they all went extinct. That room was eerie. But I don't what, know. It was fun enough. What do stuffed birds have to do with dairy? No idea. Zero idea. Well, we knew when the bird died, it was time to get out of the barn. Yeah. Although, wait, I did learn one thing that I wanted to talk about very briefly here. Where did it go? I learned that Gail Borden, Gail being a dude, uh, lived from 1801 to 1874 in Texas uh invented condensed milk oh yeah you sent me a photo of the guy now what what he looks like is he looks like a uh, traveling preacher from some sort of uh period (laughs) piece cowboys and indians movie um who likely gets killed by the native americans because he goes to convert their tribe and they're like ha 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 and they kill him right that's what he looks like it tracks that somebody named borden a would be in the dairy industry because of borden's milk which is everywhere and uh the fact that he invented condensed milk i did not realize condensed milk had been around as long as it has because if he died in 1874 clearly he didn't invent this in 1873 right so right that's a long time i did not realize that technology had been around that long okay i have a couple questions one is was lizzie borden part of the same borden family she's the axe murderer kid right yes i do not know and wonder if dairy played a role in that now and <laughs> condensed milk made her go crazy well the other thing is so if you're invent if you invented condensed milk that was either an accident or on purpose right those are the yeah. two options um and if it was on purpose what are the awful things he invented before he actually got to condensed milk well yes what what does that research look like and did sweetened condensed milk come into that uh, equation at all yeah, is it always sweetened, or at some point did someone say, Borden was a nutcase, we gotta sweeten this shit? <laughs> I just learned that Lizzie Borden and Gail Borden Jr. are fourth cousins. Aha! Uh-huh. So, while probably not engaged in day-to-day dairy activities, Lizzie Borden was definitely in the conversation. So, and and 
part of the Borden Dairy Empire. 1892 is when the Axe murders happened, so just after Gail Borden died. Oh, it set her off. Within 10 or 20 years, yeah. Yeah. She she stopped getting letters from her dear, dear relative. I'm sure I have people who are fourth cousins. I don't have the slightest idea who they are. So, you know, like... eh. Yeah, I feel like my fourth cousins, though, don't share my last name. True. I'm sure I... I, It was a much smaller country back then. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably some that are, but usually the fourth cousins are, yeah, it's, it's you know, Nehemiah Blood. It's like, okay. <laughs> there's an artist in Traverse City, uh, E.M. Randall, and I asked my dad at one point, because I've purchased some of her stuff, I'm like, am I just giving money to family here? And my dad goes, ah, uh, and there's like an uncle who had a daughter who got married, but then divorced, and then took her maiden name back and then maybe this is her like granddaughter and i was like okay that's a long way to go this kid's yeah. clearly not related to me at all so fine randall is also a very common name borden i don't know it's in the middle there somewhere yeah i mean i imagine there's some parts of the country where it is uh, more prevalent than others yeah one of the things that i was super not prepared for in going to the dairy shrine museum is the enormous amount of attention paid to and uh, relics of and, you know, descriptions of artificial cow insemination. <laughs> lots. Lots and lots. Right? Well, so, I mean, like, yeah. I have a picture here that I did not send you, which is of a small parachute with a box hanging underneath it. And the box is labeled, Parachute used for dropping semen from air before the advent of frozen semen. And then the very next (laughs) thing that I took a picture of after that was, First Liquid Nitrogen Frozen Semen Tank. Lots and lots of discussions about how to keep those cows pregnant. Yeah, I I don't mean to be pedantic, but (laughs) if you're dropping semen from air, aren't they airmen? I, that is 100% correct. So that's a mislabeling yeah. issue right there. Yeah, yeah. But in as much as there was a lot of stuff about, like, the evolution of the milking machinery process, there was also a lot of discussion about how to keep those cows uh, pregnant. So that is something that I'm sure I understood that that was part of the process, but uh, did not uh, – didn't come to mind originally when I when I was like, oh, let's go look at a, a milk shrine it's, museum. It's hard to believe that um... – you it was it's cheaper to have them airdrop uh bull semen to you versus just having a bull uh, right there was some discussion of this being in Puerto Rico as well the the shrine the well specifically the airdropped semen oh so there was also and I'm going to send you this too there's also a um like a, a thing you drape over a cow and it said flag used in Puerto Rico to notify inseminator that the dairyman had a cow in heat that I guess you would just like drape it over the cow. And of course the cow's super embarrassed. Like, yeah, kind of horned up. You don't need to put a flag on me. And then, and then what the people flying over would just toss something <laughs> out the window. Right. I don't know. <laughs> this is like, so I'm, I'm presuming this is like Johnny Appleseed except for getting cows pregnant. <laughs> wandering the countryside looking for red flags on cows well that is uh that is spanish yeah 
so you, you're. I I do not understand. Not to say that I'm, uh, mocking this at all. I simply do not understand what the economics are behind paying someone to artificially inseminate your cows versus just having a bull laying around. So I don't know. I'm sure well, that I at guess... some point that cost benefit worked out. Yeah, you'd you'd have to feed the bull, keep the bull healthy. Yeah. Um, and then maybe the bull gets choosy. Maybe it's like, mm, no, right. I'm, I'm off. I'm off Betsy. <laughs> yeah. So that was yeah that was the thing that struck me was I was there to learn about and to torture my children right because of course my two kids did not want to drive a total of three and a half hours to learn about the history of dairy. <laughs> Uh, I did not expect there to be quite so much uh, airlifted semen discussions. Yeah. That, that took me off guard. Yeah. And do you think, like, uh, how would, if you had that job, not that job, <laughs> if, if would you would you call yourself a, uh, um, like, would you, if someone was like, hey, what do you do for a living? You'd be like, oh, I work down at the Jack factory. Right. Is that, is that, how, oh. or would you be like a, uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a harvester. Yeah, they didn't I, uh, even get into the extraction process. That, luckily, was not part of the tour. That wasn't part of the... Um, so, uh, at some point, it was found that these would work to milk the cows as well. <laughs> right, right. No, but again, everybody there was very nice. And we also, because that area of Wisconsin has um, mounds, has ancient uh, Native oh, American nice. mound yeah. structures. We watched a very well-produced, uh, maybe 20-minute video about the local Native American tribes and their mound building and all this kind of stuff, too. So we we did get to get a little culture crammed into the kids, you know, while we were and, up there. And a little bacon cheese curds? So we did not order the bacon cheese curds. We got the Canadian crunchies, which okay. is... You sent me a picture of that, right? Yeah, thick sliced disks of Canadian bacon with seemed to be like cheddar cheese in between them so two pieces of canadian bacon and then that was um battered and fried and it could have been better it was pretty much exactly what i expected it to be uh could have been a little bit better but it was it was fine it was a little tough yeah but should have been regular bacon yeah it was okay the sandwich i had was okay the ice cream we had was really good but uh you know we bought some this i don't understand just because i'm not a cheesemaker, I guess yet. I keep taking projects on. So there's, I've had double cream, like uh, camembert. I've had triple cream brie. We bought a quintuple cream blue cheese. I don't, at what point do you run out of like physical space? How many creams can you get in there? Because <laughs> it's also not like that was a variety. We're like, well, we used cream from sheep and from a goat and from a cow and from a kangaroo and from like a blue whale, right? Like it wasn't that. It was just like somehow they got a bajillion creams in there. Uh, however, having said that, really fucking good cheese. So I'm not complaining. I just don't understand the physical nature of like <laughs> how does quadruple cream work or quintuple cream. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand. So yeah, I, I'm I'm not a cheesemaker, so I don't know. You'd think they'd have a whoops all cream. <laughs> yeah, right, right, like Captain Crunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that I I cannot recommend that museum. Uh Unless you're real close. It was not worth a three and a half hour drive. The people there were lovely. Don't get me wrong. They also had a little gift shop where I bought some socks that have cats wearing glasses on them for one of my cooks who was having a birthday. Um, but it's not that it's got nothing to recommend it, but it is not worth a three and a half hour round trip drive. <laughs> no way. 
the entirety of the trip you'd say was that way or just the dairy if you're just going for the dairy shrine well there was nothing else to do in fort atkinson wisconsin so we did we walked around there downtown a little bit it was a sleepy little falling apart downtown in a small wisconsin uh town on a river and uh we went to two antique stores they were both kind of awful like we had like i said we had lunch at the the dairy farm and that was kind of the whole day yeah but you didn't go to fort atkinson which is the guy that started the diet right yeah yeah real skinny (laughs) soldiers yeah yeah (laughs) which is why the fort is still around because they were real hard to hit (laughs) so yeah that was my last weekend how about you (laughs) we did the chili crawl did we ever talk about the chili crawl last year maybe sounds familiar so we went up to dwajak and we did the chili crawl God, I love uh, how stupid the names are in Michigan. Dowagiak. Who says that and doesn't chuckle a little bit? <laughs> well, the so there's a place that uh, is there that's D-O-O-W-A-H Jacks. Dowagiaks. Yeah. Um, I, I know there there's a couple of those, so I don't know what that is. But, um, uh, but we so that there was a chili crawl here in niles this year too but but uh kayla was saying that you had to like buy a punch card or something and that's ah. how you were to do your, the chili crawl we're, we're in dwajek it's free you get huh. i mean you get you know a tiny little uh what are those little cups you know that ketchup would come in or yeah, a little yeah. bit deeper that a little bit bigger than that maybe a little souffle cup yeah 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 um uh, of chili which is fine but be- there were seven stops Someone had someone pulled out. There was a brewery that pulled out for some reason, and we didn't know if it was because uh, they found out that it was free or they <laughs> found out how much chili they needed to make. But I don't think right. it's like that huge of a thing. But all of that to say, there was one clear winner, and they did end up winning. It was the Oak and Ash, um, which is the barbecue place in Dwajak. Um, they they won last year, but I did not think they had the best chili last year. Uh, but it was it was better this year, and they did even say it was a different recipe. It was Sorry. really good. I just looked this up. Dwajiak, Michigan, population five thousand six hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> My neighborhood in Chicago has more people than that. Yes, uh, but does your neighborhood have a chili crawl? No, not that I'm aware of. So it one should. Point you should to start one. <laughs> um, so at what point does chili is chili not chili? Is my question for you because well. Okay, there were so a lot of different question. things. Yes, excellent, excellent question. And it goes back to that question of like, is there a single or a set of ingredients that make a thing a thing? And if you don't have that, you don't have the thing. But you can then go wild with it, right? I would say this, and I don't know if this is true. This is just gut reaction, Steve. Meat, beans. If you don't have those two things, you're not making chili. And it's got to have chili powder in it at some point, right? Yeah. So everything after that has to have a disclaimer right so i used to teach cooking classes at fancy cooking store and one of our most popular uh or at least the best feedback we would get of people going i can't believe how much i like this we made a white bean and ground turkey indian spiced chili right beans turkey great right we used we used white beans and chickpeas actually but if you were to just hand it to somebody and say this is chili they would say no it is not this is some sort of an of a curry turkey stew right so you have to have that disclaimer if you just say chili it better be ground beef it better be kidney beans and or black beans and or pinto beans and or cranberry beans i guess 
and then all your other stuff. You've got other vegetables you put in there. You've got chili powder. You've got tomato paste, maybe. You've got beef stock, right? Meat and beans. That's yeah. that's the basis of your chili. Um, in my in my mind, I guess the things the other things I associate with chili are yeah, the def- definitely uh, a chili chili powder of some kind. Yeah, uh, some sort of heat anyway. Yep. And then also there's got to be a little bit of a thickness to it Uh, because there were some that we had that I felt were very good soups, but I don't know as I would call them chili because they were so thin. Yeah. Um, and, and then, and then there was one, we didn't go to the one that last year, Kayla's like, I think their base was ketchup. Um, and then, but there was one this year, um, that, uh, a place did that may have been new this year. And I, I think I'm 85% certain their base was tomato soup. Because <laughs> if that would have had elbow macaroni in it, it would have been what, what my family called short noodle spaghetti, which yeah. was <laughs> tomato soup, hamburger, and elbow <laughs> macaroni. So you say that. We've had this discussion before. I think we did a whole episode about like, oh, you don't know that your family's weird until you mention this thing that our family called short noodle spaghetti and everybody goes what the hell is that (laughs) however you say that not only can i see it i can taste it and it doesn't it's it's fine like i don't mind that at all right i'm sure there are parts of the world where they would be like what the fuck are you eating (laughs) yeah oh absolutely but you know what when you're when you're feeding four kids on a limited budget you know i'm sure that that went a long way and yeah Yeah. i don't i have nothing but fond memories of it um and and i wasn't turned off by this but i questioned whether it was chili or whether it was tomato soup (laughs) with beef and beans in it there is a controversy people will go back and forth and draw very very strict lines about whether or not tomato products should be in your chili at all Really? Or if it should be entirely peppers, right? So like red peppers and spicy peppers cooked down until they're giving that consistency of a tomato product, of a tomato paste or a tomato sauce or tomatoes, right? Uh, I like tomatoes in chili. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, maybe it's how my mom made it. Maybe it's a Michigan thing. Maybe it's a Midwest thing. I don't know. But like, they're, like when you get a Texas, like a brisket chili, Right, which is shredded ends of brisket, and it usually is like three or four beans. I don't think there's tomatoes in there. I think it's all peppers and onions. My mom also carrots and celery in her chili, which is controversial as well. That edges it more toward being a soup. Yes, and then for me, the what would push it over would be if it was thin. Yeah. Then it would be like, okay, this is like a yeah, like a beef beef vegetables soup versus um, versus a chili. But um, there was there was a white chicken chili that that. Um, I don't think had any tomatoes in it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of a white chicken chili. Um, and it was good, but I still I felt like the oak and ash because it's the barbecue place, and I think they were doing a brisket chili. And this yeah. year it was just it was really good. Um, and and it wasn't that any of the others were were we didn't have any that were bad. I don't think even the even the tomato soup one. It um you know uh I, I thought it was you know it <laughs> it was fine fine for what it was but i you know it was one of those things where i don't think it's the best chili yeah um and i don't know how to call it chili but some of those places don't have chili on their menu either they just do this for the chili crawl um oh the one had a um we uh, the the guy that owns the place he was like hey thanks for coming in i've we've been lucky enough to be open since maybe it was 1970 something even there in dwajak but we um kayla had to look up the bread because he was like here's the chili and then we had that one, and that one was very um, different. And uh, Kayla looked up the bread, um, which was a very thin, crispy, crumbly, um, um, almost like a um, uh, 
Uh, Communion wafer. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say matzah. Is that uh, right? Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, no perforation. So not like a saltine. Um, but what do you, oh, like a lavash. That's exactly what yep. it was. Yep. Um, so Kayla looked that up and, she, and it's Armenian, right? Yep. And I was like, oh, I bet this, these are, that's the spice that's in the chili probably. If, if, because you don't make Armenian bread like that just randomly in Dwajek, Michigan, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, you're probably Armenian somewhere down the line. So if if he was using some um, uh, Eastern European, um, North North East Asian spices in the chili. So I just googled Armenian spices. Now, normally when you do a lavash, ladies and gentlemen, a lavash is a very very thin bread that gets stretched out, usually to like the the size of an entire sheet tray and it's very very thin you're talking what quarter inch maybe and then it'll get brushed with oil and a bunch of different spices will get thrown on top of it depending on where you are because there are lavash or lavash style breads in a bunch of different cultures and so you'll get a bunch of different things uh commonly used spices in armenian cooking include black pepper sumac cumin caraway cardamom maleb i don't know what that is clove anise kurkuma which i don't know what that is either Fennel, fenugreek, blue fenugreek, never heard of that one, which is awesome. Spice, uh, allspice, zizifora, don't know what that is, but it sounds like a place that you would buy uh, cologne. Saffron, paprika, cayenne, and cinnamon. Honestly, you probably, if you were tasting something that was uh, odd to you, sumac, and then any of the ones that I didn't know what they were. Well, I mean, it was odd in terms of it like, not being like uh, out of the norm for a chili. Yeah. So yeah. It, it it was like um, it. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a, a curry, but sure. it was it was moving kind of in that direction. I think, um, and that's why I was like, this is really interesting, um, and it was good. And and uh, uh, say the bread again, lavash. Lavash. Um, and tell you what goes good with chili is lavash. I mean, just yeah. in terms of like, this is a great thing. This is great to have with chili. Like that well, should be a thing. What's nice about it is that it doesn't fall apart, right? You can almost use it as a spoon, right? Like the normal, normal, the traditional thing in the States to have, um, cornbread with chili, the cornbread immediately becomes a sponge and falls apart. And yeah. I don't mind that so much. It's almost like putting crackers in your soup and the crackers kind of absorb it and they get kind of mushy. But if you want something to be able to like dip into your chili, boy, lavash is the way to go. For the longest time, I, I'm not, uh, I've come around, but I, I still prefer not bean centric chili. Okay. Because some people's chili is all beans. Yeah. Um, and when I was a kid, I really was not a fan of beans. So the way I would eat chili whenever my mom would make chili would be I wouldn't use a spoon I would just use uh, uh, corn chips. Yep. The the round ones especially, um, and I, that's how I would eat it. Um, but this I think like lavash would be great. Yeah, usually you're saying use it as a spoon would be great for that. Just uh, yeah. um, and that's probably also why I I think thick chili is better because yeah. you can't do that with a thinner broth. Um, well, and the two things about chili, if you're going for thickness but you don't want to actually thicken it up, is one, mash the beans just a little bit. Break open some of those beans because they're starchy. That starch is going to come out into your liquid. It's going to help bind it. And also, every chili is better tomorrow. Yes. Make it today. Serve it tomorrow. The process yeah. of reheating, there is a thing where starches pass through the gradation of temperature to get to a serving temperature where... 
the starches gelatinize at these temperatures better that are in the middle of that. And so they don't gelatinize terribly well at serving temperatures, but on the way through, God, I want to say it's like 120 degrees. On the way through that, you get that thickness happening. And it doesn't happen at like a boil. Or it doesn't happen as well. Yeah. Kayla, Kayla does that. She, we always do, she always makes chili and then we don't have it until the next day. Um, and it's, I call it Kayla's never the same twice chili because it, <laughs> it, it, it is never the same because it's whatever we have around. And there are times when she's like, um, like we'll have leftover taco meat or whatever. And she'll just throw it in the freezer for chili at some yep. point, or it'll be like, well, I'm making chili. Um, at some of the, one of the hottest, I was going to say best, but I, I, my memory does is not. Um, keen enough to be able to say this was the best chili she ever made. Definitely the hottest chili she ever made was we were in Chicago and her sister, I don't think had moved up yet and maybe was just visiting, stayed with us and had gone out to an Asian place somewhere around there and gotten some super spicy food. And then she left and it was still in the fridge and (laughs) Kayla threw all that in the chili. And it was like your face is sweating you're you're crying a little bit um because the, it was so hot and uh but it was it was also really really good that was then we went to a uh um a place and we got some bulgogi i know it was uh underneath what used to be the uh under the gun theater sort of um in wrigleyville um down the block from wrigley uh and and we were we were eating that after a show or something, and some friends I was like, "How are you eating that so fast?" And we we're like, "What? Like, this is really hot." And we we're like, "Oh, we must have must have burned off all our taste buds with that chili earlier in the day." Um, but it was good stuff. I do so love the versatility of chili once you're serving it too, because there are people who you give them a bowl of chili, and the first thing they're going to do is throw cheddar cheese and sour cream and chives on top of it, like they're loading up a baked potato. I'm here for all that. In fact, now that I've said that out loud, I have loaded a baked potato with chili and then put all that stuff on top of it as well. So yeah, I'm here for all of that. It does like chili is one of those things that yes, it's a soup. It's almost a stew, but it's a whole meal. It's its own thing. And I, yeah. I do so love that. And we, I mean, we'll eat it. We'll do chili fries. We'll do chili Mac. We'll do yeah. chili over rice. We'll do. And the one time, like, Kayla just put the rice in the chili. She's like, maybe it's not technically chili now. And I'm like, I'm here for it. You know, I'm fine with that. But it's one of those things that, yeah, you know, I don't know. Is is that one of the, uh, yeah. like, like uh, uh, pineapple on pizza? Is it one of those those areas? <laughs> like, some people will, no, if it's the rice in it, it's not chili. We'll have to get but, a chili expert on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, if any of you out there are chili <laughs> experts, we would love to have you come in and weigh in on uh, what makes a chili a chili, how far out you can get until it stops being a chili are there prohibited ingredients like rice can you not put rice in a chili i don't know the answer to these things yeah i feel like it's really easy to say what's not a chili yeah because i think everyone agrees cincinnati chili not chili um which one's that that's like you put on spaghetti yeah skyline or Ah. uh, gold star uh there might be another one i may not well there's that too right not every chili would be good on a chili dog there's a certain yes. kind of a chili that goes well on a chili dog, and it's just not all of them, you know? And there are some, uh, like, Coney Dog is not chili, in my right. mind. That's something else, right? Yeah. It's a sauce of some kind. I forget what it is. I've seen it. It's It comes in a can. It is called something just like chili dog sauce. Yeah. Um. So, And I think in terms of what we're talking, and Cincinnati chili, it would be the beans, 
yeah. there's no beans in it. So that would be one of the things like, well, not really a chili. And I think whoever made it was, it was like whoever did root beer. And it's like, I'm going to call it beer so that the miners will drink it. Yeah. Yeah. Or whoever. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, we, we like Cincinnati chili. This It's got cinnamon in it. Um, I was about to say, if you're not putting a little, just a tiny, tiny little bit of cinnamon in your chili, you're missing out. Because it's one of those things, yeah. if you get it just right, you don't go, oh, shit, there's cinnamon in here. You just go, what is that? But in a good way. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it just makes it that much more interesting. And that was kind of what was going on with the, I presume, Armenian chili. But it wasn't cinnamon. It could have been some in there, but there was other things. Probably the cumin and who knows what else yeah. um, going on in there. That there was like, oh, this is really interesting. This is, like, I, I want a big bowl of this so I can study it. <laughs> I would do a ton more chili here at the house, but my kids just don't do spice of any kind. And I can't make a... If it's not spicy, it's not chili. It's some form of spicy, right? And uh, my kids are just not big spicy food eaters. That's a shame. And you also can't make a small amount of chili. You have to make chili like the only appropriate way to make chili is to be measured in gallons, right? Yeah. Like you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to make two servings of chili. No, you're not. You can't yeah. do it. Everybody forgets that beans like quadruple in size when you cook them, right? Like you cannot. Well, I'm going to put two beans in this and then it'll be fine. No, <laughs> can't do it. Yeah, well, I mean, where do you get two beans either? I mean, you open the bag and you try to get two beans out, and now there's 50, yeah. and you're yeah. stuck. Right. So, I would eat chili three days a week, but nobody else in the house is going to do it, you know. So. Yeah. That'll be a retirement thing. I'll just retire and eat tons of chili. <laughs> well, it's one of those one of those things, too. It's like uh, being able to eat chili three days a week, great. Having to eat chili three days a week, right. not as good for some yeah. reason. yeah, yeah. Interesting. No, I, there was a chili walk on my block the last year we lived in the old house, and that was fun. But it was only like, yeah, 10 houses participating. And for the most part, it was people walking around the neighborhood drinking. And that was not so much my jam, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every can't year. taste the chili. Because now we have a side, bun- side entrance bungalow with a bigger front yard than we've ever had before. And so it's a little weird for trick-or-treaters to come to the side entrance. I don't know. I wouldn't be comfortable sending my kids halfway up somebody's house uh so what i've done is i've set up our uh uh, solo stove bonfire pit thing in the front and i every year i'm tempted to just have a big crock pot of chili out there too for like the dads but there's a lot of apparatus to that right like and sorry for the sexism there it's not just for the dads it'd be for anybody who wants it but like you've got to give them a little cup of chili with a little spoon or a little you know and it's there's a lot going on there people don't have free hands you know they're carrying a baby and pushing a stroller and holding a bag of candy and whatever so that would be tricky i don't know that halloween's the right time for that yeah i mean it's season like temperature wise i think it's perfect but yeah, and also we're the new kids in the in the neighborhood, so like I don't know that people want to come over and just be like, yeah, give me some completely unpackaged food that's been sitting outside. <laughs> yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're eating it, I think it'd be, you know, <laughs> right. If I were to dress up like Chef Boyardee for Halloween and I'm out there <laughs> slinging chili, that might work. Yeah. I get, I, I could it. work up a Guy Fieri costume and yeah. then have chili. That would that'd be appropriate. Yes. Yikes. And then your house is dressed up like a uh, diner drive-in or dive. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Is that is that everything on Chili today? Yes, yes. That's just us catching up and we're at yeah, an hour. For sure. Steve, what do you drink your coffee out of, just out of curiosity? Uh, my The travel mug. Does it happen to be a Stanley mug? 
<laughs> no. So up until a couple of days ago, not only did I not know that there was this Stanley mug thing going on in uh, our country, yeah. uh, but I guess I hadn't really thought about Stanley as a company. I have a big Stanley thermos, but you've heard about this insane Stanley Cup craze that's going on. And not, we're not talking hockey either. Right. This isn't Lord Stanley's Cup. Yes. Uh, this is This is like truck drivers from the 80s coffee cups. Okay, so the first thing I heard about this that I don't know if it preceded the mass insanity because I am still by choice not on TikTok. Yeah. So I don't know what the deal is, but I did see the thing where um, a, this woman's car caught on fire. Correct. And uh, the Stanley thermos survived. And still had ice in it. Yeah. From what I understand. Yes. So that was a, that was a, and then, so Stanley bought her a new car. Oh, no kidding. That's kind was of the end because that blew up online, got them all kinds of free press. Um, and as a, you know, just goodwill gesture and to get more press, you will, yeah. um, they, it was my understanding. Now that, that was in the article that I read, whether or not that actually happened and went, they went through with it. I don't know, but that was. That was what I saw. And the next thing I know is I see stories about the Stanley Cup craze, and then you send me this article. So let me cut in here real quick and divert us from Stanley Cups, because I did not know that they had purchased her a car. Clearly, that is a PR move. But let me tell you a quick local story here uh, from Chicago that's oh, yeah. roughly roughly connected. There is a taco place I've talked about before called Pueblo Nuevo, run by a woman named Lulu and her family, right? This is this place we've been going to for a decade now. My favorite my second favorite tacos in Chicago. They're my favorite tacos I can get to uh, without having to drive like an hour. So Lulu, like I've known, I've known, I don't know them, but like her daughter now runs the front of the house essentially. She's always on the register. So she's like 17 years old. I remember seeing her daughter doing homework at one of the tables, right? Like it's that sort of a thing. Husband is in the back, all that kind of stuff, right? So a guy is captured on security footage and somebody's cell phone camera eating a meal in Pueblo Nuevo. It's about two weeks ago. Walking up to the counter, complaining to the daughter that nothing was good, even though he ate everything, plates clean, and he just walked out, right? He dined and dashed, except he kind of moseyed. He was wearing a Chicago beverage t-shirt, logoed, uh, uh, like, polo shirt, which is a, a liquor distributor here in town. So the uh, closed Facebook group that I belong to, is that a Stanley Cup? No, that was, my mouse fell, sorry about that. Ah. Uh, the Chicago Hospitality Facebook group got a wind of this and said to everybody on that group, um, let's find this guy. Let's figure out who this guy <laughs> is. If he works for Chicago Beverage, somebody here has to know him, right? So finally, a rep from Chicago Beverage just said, hey, I'm going to distribute this to my staff and to my coworkers, and we'll figure this out. Turns out the guy does not work for them, probably bought the shirt you know, at a resale shop or something okay, like this. Okay. That rep from Chicago Beverage went into that restaurant and paid the equivalent of that guy's bill. He was oh. like, this guy's misrepresenting us. We owe you this money. And that's not even really a PR stunt because the only reason we know about it in this closed group is because somebody, one of his employees found out about it and told everybody else. So they didn't even do it to be like, hey, we're cool. That guy just felt like he should do that. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, some people out there aren't complete abject garbage. This is great. Yeah. You know, so that was, that's, that's my almost connected story. 
<laughs> no, I think that connects. Oh, yeah. Stanley bought her a new car. Wow. So, yes. After this, it turned into a viral marketing craze, sort of accidentally, I guess, because I can't imagine Stanley looking at this and thinking, how do we weaponize this? I think it just turned right. into that. So then let's get to this article I sent to you. Okay. From, oh, sorry. One other thing before we get there, because yeah. I think this is this is possibly part of it. I don't know about your kids. My brother's kids carry a water bottle to school, to every class. Yes. We never did that. No. So I don't know if that's also part of the water bottles are uh, there's a lot more like uh you know things to, to to hold water in like these stanley cups or whatever are much more prevalent than they ever were yes um, years ago so that well, i don't know if that has anything to do with it or not and acknowledging that there has to be a status associated with whatever thing you're carrying because that's right. how kids do that do you remember umbro's gym shorts <laughs> I, I the name rings a bell in 1990 1992 if you didn't have those and you went to gym you got made fun of for being the poor kid and that happened to me i had like the ones that you got at meyer instead that looked like umbros but were not umbros and uh, i got made fun of and so i'm sure if everybody in your class has a stanley cup and you have like a leonard cup then that's you're gonna get made fun of for that <laughs> yeah yeah so this is from business insider woman stole $2,500 worth of Stanley Cups in a brazen heist, police say, amid an escalating national craze. This one cracked me up because she legitimately just walked into a store, unnamed retail store, uh, filled up a shopping cart with these things, and then just walked out with them. Yeah, that is brazen, all right. Yeah, and then the somebody from the store, and ladies and gentlemen, if you work retail and you don't own the store, don't follow a thief out. Don't stop them. Don't do anything. Ain't worth your job. Ain't worth your life. Despite being confronted, confronted by employees, police said, the 23-year-old refused to stop and proceeded to fill the trunk of her car with the merchandise. She was arrested on a charge of grand theft, which I think has to be over $2,000. Uh, 65 Stanley products valued at 2500 bucks. What a dumb way to go to jail. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I don't know if she did this uh, um, any any other place, but yeah, there's the trunk of her car completely just filled with these uh, cups. Yeah. Wild. So, I mean, as much of a, uh, we are fans of heists, this doesn't even count. This is just shoplifting. This is not a heist. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, it is just shoplifting. And I did just saw an article because th there's just been an epidemic of uh, shoplifting lately. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the ways that uh, it's being combated, I forget where, but they said that because stores were having better luck calling police officers directly who had like given them their card and said, call me um, versus going through dispatch. Um, so some stores have connected versus like WeChat or with uh, WeChat or whatever it is uh, um, to to uh, to some uh, police in their area, so that they are uh, then in contact with them as soon as they are see, see something happening and it's it's evidently working in terms of uh, being able to prevent a lot of uh, uh, theft. Weird. But um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, once again, I've said this before, but. So much of what is considered crime in our country is property-based. 
uh, I don't think I feel great about that. In as much as people get really upset when there is, let's say, a protest of some sort. And the protest turns ugly. And then windows get broken. And people on the other side of that protest are like, look at what these people are doing. They're ruining those windows. Like, who gives a fuck about windows? That's not the point of the thing, right? Uh, so many of our laws now, so much criminality is based on property, property damage, property rights, things like that. So, once again, if you are at a place and you see someone stealing food or diapers, no, you did not see that. That's not your business. Simple as that. Yeah. Oh, the, the, uh, did you, so the diaper thing, you're talking about the one where the lady that took the, th- the diapers out of the thing to, to be scanned? Any diapers you see stolen, you did not see it. I, oh, I don't okay. even know the article you're referencing. Okay. People, like, the wealth disparity in this country has gotten so bad that people are stealing things that are necessary for their lives. That does not hurt the employees of that store. That does not hurt the management of that store. It only hurts the ownership of that store. And if every store, every employer in this country was paying better, people wouldn't be stealing shit. Uh, police yeah. don't prevent crimes. Living wages and uh, education prevent crimes. We're not yes. doing right by anybody right now. Yeah, I I can't I can't disagree with any of that. Um, I've never stolen diapers, but I've never needed to. I understand the idea. Well, yeah. So the this is where I, this is where I get a little torn because there's a one of there's a scam, um, and it's probably an old old scam. Um, but uh, I was just reading about it because of the a different article I saw about diapers. Um, but this one was, uh, someone at Walmart that, that kicked a woman out, um, and told this lady, he's like, no, you cannot buy these diapers for her because what she was doing was she was hanging out in the diaper aisle or around there and begging someone to buy her diapers. She had a kid in a stroller begging someone to buy her uh, diapers for her. They would, she would immediately take them to the return desk and, um, get the cash to spend on whatever. Now, if if she's spending that on formula, yeah, but then just asked if I get formula. But anyway, the the thing was that she was just using the kid as a prop to be able to get cash for um, returning the thing that she was convincing people she needed. Those people drive me crazy. Um, There's always outliers. That's that's yeah. always going to be the case. But no, I agree. I like uh, yeah. If you've got to steal steal diapers to have diapers, then you know I'm not going to judge you. It always makes me, again, it refreshes my faith in humanity whenever I see these stories. And I saw one the other day on, on Instagram. So believe as much of this as you will that there was a <laughs> mom and pop pizza place that put a sign up in the window that just said, hey, homeless guy who goes through our dumpster, just come in. We'll give you a couple of slices of pizza and a bottle of water. You are a human being. And uh, I like things like that. I like seeing things like that. You know? Yeah. Because, again, pizza, you got to give it up to the pizza people. Pizza is really cheap to produce, and pizza is getting more and more expensive every day. And so the people who are making money off of pizza, God bless. You you're, you figured it out. You cracked the code. Yeah. I, that, for That reminds me of another article I just saw. I don't think I sent it to you. It was, did you see the thing about uh, $10 chicken? <laughs> no. It was street chicken. It's like, why does a street <laughs> chicken cost $10? And it was like some kind of chicken dish. But and I guess the thing was they were talking about inflation and it was like it used to cost six dollars and I'd be like, I don't like ten dollar street chicken doesn't sound that expensive to me. <laughs> like if you're buying it from a vendor. I don't know what street chicken is, and that weirds me out. <laughs> like I don't either. Oh. 
Yeah. But I mean, if you're if you're getting chicken, I, I'm assuming it's a cart. It's not it's not a food truck. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, hot dogs I don't expect to sp- spend ten dollars on. I mean, I'm coming up. So a serious eats article comes up. Uh, halal cart style chicken. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is like a hand cart kind of thing. I'm seeing uh, Thai street chicken. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about food carts. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, it does ten bucks does not sound like much for food cart grab and go not grab and go but like quick service food. Right. I, again, my scale is kind of shifted too because I live in Chicago and everything's really fucking expensive, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, and there the like I skimmed the article. I'm not going to be able to find it now. But one of the things they were talking about was that it was uh one of the reasons why it was it's so expensive is because of the permit and wherever it was yeah, they were talking yeah. about the like the the black market of permits, how like you could sell your permit. And so people or, or somehow people were getting permits and then selling them, uh, you know, to other people for more money. I don't know. Um, but that, that, that all of that was part of the reason why the price was more than the $6 it used to be. So if you assume that you can sell food from a cart, let's say street chicken, just cause I like that phrase 18 hours out of the day. You're not going to work 18 hours a day. So if you get a permit as a food vendor to sell street chicken, you could do worse than to share it with somebody else who is going to work the other nine hours, right? Like you do the breakfast shift in your street chicken cart and then pass off your license to somebody else who does the bars are emptying out at the end of the night street chicken routine, right? Yeah. And that would be illegal, but I could see either sharing that cost or like renting it to somebody. What was the litmus for inflation? And is it a, a, a slice of pizza in New York? Is that always what it was? Oh, I don't remember. I I'm know just that won- the cost of the Costco hot dog is not going up. It's still a buck fifty with a drink. I was wondering if anyone has tracked the tamale guy's prices. Ooh. I never got a tamale from the tamale guy, so I don't know what they used to be. I don't know what the prices are now. When I was living in Houston, Texas, there was a lady who came around to the um, it wasn't Bad Dog Tavern. What was it called? the doghouse maybe with a cooler heated that was full of tamales and they were a buck a piece and it was the best <laughs> and i do not have any data to back up how good those tasted it's just my memory which was very drunk but yeah those were great uh i don't know how much i would pay for a tamale i don't think about it too much there's a tamale place that comes to the farmers markets we go to i'll be honest with you i've eaten at their place a bunch of times and i have no idea how much they cost because you just go to the farmer's market with a bunch of cash, and by the time you run out of cash, yeah. it's time to leave the farmer's market. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine if they were really expensive, I would remember it, but they, they can't be more than 3 or $4, because otherwise that would stand out to me. Yeah. I, I, I encountered the tamale guy maybe twice, and it was actually a, a, a guy. Uh, so I don't know if other members of the organization <laughs> also sell tamales, but when in uh, um, Old Town in the Ale House, yeah. we were in there and uh, had heard about the tamale guy, and then he came in and was selling tamales, but I did not get one, I don't think. I think I would have remembered if I did. I probably didn't have any money. I had tamales today. I had three of them. One of my cooks made them... Uh, uh, Wednesday this past week at the shop had some free time made tamales made a lot of them and they were good some of the best tamales I've had in a long time but again like you get tamales that someone that you know made in front of you like yeah they're gonna be good there's no way they're gonna be bad <laughs> so. 
Shout out to Angela. Your tamales are great. <laughs> tamales, I feel like, were invented just to use corn husks. Possibly. Yeah, it's another one of these dishes that is, how do I feed a lot of people when what I have is copious amounts of starch, and I need to flavor that starch with a wee little bit of meat that I have? Because a tamale is a toothpaste tube of masa with a wee little tiny bit of meat in it, but if you're cooking that meat and you're making your salsa appropriately, it doesn't fucking matter. It's going to be good <laughs> all the way through. Yeah. So I don't mind that at all. I've had also bad tamales. And you would think it would be tough to screw them up. Nah, I've had bad tamales before. Have you had hot tamales? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right, Steve. I've got uh, time for one more thing. Do we want to talk? About oh, no, no, no. I know what we want to do. This is the update on this town in Maine. Yeah. That is apparently getting ready to 86 all of their inspections right there's still hope right that is were they meeting this month or next month next month okay so there's still hope they'll come to their senses so this is once again from food safety news breaking news for everyone's consumption if you are not signed up for fsn's uh daily emails you're probably doing better than i am because i like my anxiety i don't really have anxiety it's fashionable now to be anxious I don't have that. Uh, I just, I, I worry about things like an adult worries about things sometimes, and I don't let it bother me too much unless it does, and then it really bothers me. Towns vote to end city restaurant inspections will occur without a survey. This is the important part of this article, Steve, for me. The city council, and this is written by Dan Flynn, the city council in Lewiston, Maine, will still vote next month to end local restaurant inspections, but there will not be any survey of businesses before then. So this town council is just going to do whatever the heck they want, I guess. Yeah. Well, so at the end, I was real curious about this because a Maine Public's employee union spokesman said the, the suggested survey was disgusting and unethical, which makes me very curious at what the survey was. Right. Or how it was worded. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what what were the questions that they they found it disgusting and unethical? Well, if they um, wrote the survey in such a way that, like, the first question is, hey, do you want some bozo from the big city to come in here and shut your restaurant down? Yes or no? Right? Like, you could very easily word a survey in a way to get the answer you want, no matter what. I bet it was something like that. I wonder if it's out there anywhere. So, to quote further from the article, Lewiston currently inspects restaurants in the city under an agreement with the state. But the paperwork is ready to blow up that agreement if the city council opts to take this action in March. At the same time, the city council is ready to terminate budget authority for restaurant inspections and eliminate the sanitarian position that conducts restaurant inspections. It sounds like if the vote doesn't go the way they want it to, somebody in city council is just going to go, sweet, defunded, doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, so this is from the Sun Journal. This is uh, Andrew Rice from the Sun Journal, uh, Lewiston, Auburn News. Lewiston, the city will not survey restaurants and other businesses regarding their interactions with Code Enforcement Department. The city council unanimously decided Tuesday. Members of the public and former elected official had, officials had strong words against the proposal, calling it a witch hunt and what amounted to an investigation unfairly targeting the Code Enforcement Department. Um, mayor, may, the mayor um, pitched the idea after the council received considerable public criticism in January related to its proposals to eliminate local restaurant inspections and the city sanitary position. Those votes were ultimately postponed following significant opposition. 
Uh, the mayor argued that a third-party survey would allow officials to have more information to go on to make the decision. However, many argued that the focus specifically on the code enforcement department was inappropriate and bad optics. Tuesday's council debate was the la latest fallout from the recent temporary closure of the Da Vinci's Eatery and the decision to part ways with code enforcement director David Heidegger. Um, to only survey related uh, to only survey related to code enforcement seems like a targeting of that department. Yeah, it definitely would have been. Adding that the timing of the proposal is also an issue. So it seems like the city is really thinks they're a bunch of idiots too, right? Yeah. Um. So so we'll see what the city council does next month. But yeah, what um what a crazy mess and what just I mean if that isn't America in a nutshell. <laughs> Well, right. So from oh. this article, the Lewiston City Council on March 19th is still looking at firing its veteran restaurant inspector, which is Lewis Lachance, and letting the state take over restaurant inspections in the city. What that would mean is they would get inspected less frequently because the state doesn't have the, the I'm, I'm presuming, the state doesn't have the resources to divert one of their inspectors from whatever else they're doing to this place on as regular a basis as somebody who was based there. So to go back to the article. But in an immediate political reaction, the city put its longtime and respected code enforcement director, David Heidegger, on administrative leave and prepared to axe Louis Lachance, who inspected Da Vinci's. This still, Steve, feels like it's going to end in a murder she wrote wrap up where we find that whoever owns Da Vinci's, you know, he and Louis Lachance were originally vying for the same romantic partner back in the 70s. And it's always been this simmering yeah. <laughs> resentment. Or somebody on the city council is in the pocket of this guy who owns Da Vinci's, right? Like there's some sort of political or murder-based intrigue going on in this little town. Because you don't decide to stop. I mean, it's, it's not just restaurants either. If you're going to... Uh, put the uh, head of code enforcement on administrative leave, that's electrical, that's plumbing, that's street uh, signage, that's all kind of stuff is code enforcement. There uh, is this town trying to also move its entirety to New Hampshire? Like, is this, <laughs> is this a, a libertarian bastion of Maine where they're just like, you know what? No more codes, bitches. We're going to do whatever we want. Like, I don't yeah. understand what the, the, the nth step of this is, right? And is Maine, as a state government, going to let this town just go, you know what? No rules. Yeah. I, which is a terrible idea. Terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Um, uh, yeah. It, 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 and we did, also, we didn't get a chance to even talk about the previous one uh, article from also right. from food safety news where it was that discovered or, or divulged that its own staff is what reported to Vinci's. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the, 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 whoever it was that called in the, the roach thing was a person and uh, that worked there. And um, it kind of gave the, gave the timeline in that. And I feel like the roach here in the picture is uh, what I would imagine a Northern roach to be, which is, you know, as big as your fingernail. Big and scary, yeah. Um, but but not not a Chicago roach, not a uh, Florida roach, uh, by any means. Um, but uh, it was an ongoing issue there for a little while. Yeah. And the thing is, like this this seems to have taken care of it, right? Like closing it right. closing it down worked, 
So what's the issue? <laughs> like, was it someone's birthday party had to be canceled because of the roaches? Like, blame the roaches. Don't right. Don't blame the inspector. Like, oh, <laughs> like you're gonna you're, the wheel falls off your Tesla. You're not gonna blame Tesla. You're gonna blame the road. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it does indicate in this article that it says, quote, restaurant staff and a pest control contractor have worked on this issue since 2023. That sounds way worse than it actually is. Anybody who has a pest control management system in place could say we've been working on this issue since 2023 in regular maintenance, right? Like where I work, the school where I work, we have a pest control management company that comes in once every other month looks they they check traps they look for evidence of uh, either you know uh, rodents or bug infestations sometimes they lay down new traps or they spray stuff that's how that is supposed to work right so whatever they did to then fix this part of the infestation great but uh, it, it, it this article is making it sound a little bit scarier it this is not like they've had an infestation problem for the last two years it's right they are on regular maintenance. That's fine. That's yeah, how you're supposed to do it. I think that's an important point because it seems like Da Vinci's was doing everything right. Yeah. It, this isn't, this isn't, shouldn't be a strike against Da Vinci's for, you know, not having pest control and having this just be overrun with roaches. The, the problem was found because they have pest control and it was nipped in the bud because they have pest control and right. they had to shut down for a couple days to, to spray or do whatever needed to be done to make sure that it didn't become a health problem. Um, but that's because th- that was the right way to do things. So to remove inspections and then have Da Vinci's say possibly, I'm not suggesting they'd actually do this, but they could then say, hey, we're not being inspected. Why are we paying for pest control? Right. And then they stop and now you have cockroaches and mice and God knows what else living yeah. in your walls in your restaurant and people are getting sick. And that's, you know, that's what all of this is intended to prevent well and we the last time we talked about this article this is what we talked about exactly somebody has to be there saying you know what for public safety for public health reasons we have to enforce these rules because if you go to lewiston maine and you go to a restaurant and you get sick you can get mad at the restaurant and then the restaurant gets in trouble but if there's nobody inspecting who who is going to enforce that who is going to say to the restaurant yes you're in trouble if there aren't people there like who are the adults in the room here yeah And it still just seems to me, because in one of the previous articles, it still just seems to me like the owner of Da Vinci's got dinged for having an infestation, had to shut down, which again, like you just noted, is the proper thing to do. They did probably a deep clean. Maybe they did bug bombs. Maybe they had some some construction issues. Maybe they had to put like more foam stuff around the pipes so they could plug up holes in the walls. Whatever they had to do, it required them to shut down because it wasn't safe to produce food in that space. That right. is also the right thing to do. Yes. And then this dude lost nine days worth of revenue and went to the city council and went, hey, fix this guy about the inspector. And that's not the right thing to do. And I'm not yes. saying that's exactly what happened, but in one of the previous articles, he this the, the owner did complain to the city council about all of those correct things happening. Yeah. You know, this would be like you speed, you get pulled over, you get a ticket and you go to the city council and you're like, hey, do something about these police. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no. or, or can we take down all these speed limit signs? Right. Which is the next thing after you get rid of code enforcement. You're Why, why have stop signs? Why have stoplights? Just get yeah. rid of all that crap. It'd be the Wild West up there in Lewiston, Maine. 
Yeah, just so I'm I'm definitely curious and looking forward to finding out what they actually do, because it seems like the public has really pushed back, which is smart because they say we don't want to be poisoned. Um, I do not enjoy getting health inspections in the city of Chicago. Nobody likes getting a health inspection, right? That has to be a terrible job. We've talked about this before, too. Ain't yeah. no friends. You're not walking into a place and people are like, hey, good to see you. It is not good to see you. It is not. <laughs> if Chicago said one day, guess what? No more health inspections. I'd be like, well, I guess I'm only eating food at my house from here on out. Yeah. Forever. Well, eh, um, to illustrate this further, this this bridges a slightly new territory, but we also didn't get to talk about it. Wasn't it the aren't they Amish? the the farm with the raw milk oh, that is be, being uh um the the attorney general is is for whatever state it was yep pennsylvania yep so we can switch right over to this that's a great transition state attorney general brings civil action against amos miller so ladies and gentlemen if you are longtime listener you know that we've touched on this a couple of times because we're now seeing legislation in montana colorado minnesota There was one other one, I want to say Idaho, where uh, selling direct-to-consumer unpasteurized milk is now okay in these places. And it's been contested forever. And there is a a better-than-even chance that you'll get sick from unpasteurized raw milk. Because pasteurization is a proven technology. It's great. High temperature, high uh, pressure. It's going to kill everything in that milk, which is great. That's why milk has an expiration date. Once you uncap that milk, ambient bacteria in your house are going to get in there and they're going to start colonizing and it takes a certain amount of time for that pasteurization to wear off. So in some states in this country, you can sell unpasteurized milk direct to consumer. You can't sell it in stores and people are getting sick already. (laughs) It's just such a bad idea. But this Amos Miller character in Pennsylvania is doing this whole political bent sovereign citizen, which is not a real thing, uh, thing about I will do whatever I want on my property and I'll sell direct to consumer. And it's not just the milk, it's the meat, it's all of these other things that they're selling. And uh, has been in trouble, has gone to court, has tried to claim constitutional immunity because of some something or other, and it's all this weird going way back into old old laws that haven't been repealed yet even though they don't apply anymore whatever so finally as of this was only a couple weeks ago pennsylvania attorney general michelle henry with the state department of agriculture has now sued amos and rebecca miller and their various farms and related business in the lancaster county court of common pleas to shut him down so they're trying to say you know what this back and forth in the courts all of this while he's still selling stuff to people and they're still getting sick they're just they're saying you know what we're we're going for gold on this one this is our hail mary we're gonna just try to sue him completely out of existence yeah and why uh well two recent e coli illnesses reported by other states health departments are suspected to have originated from miller's organic uh farm raw milk or raw milk products additionally samples of raw milk and uh raw milk products collected by pennsylvania department of agriculture recently tested positive for listeria notably killing people who eat ice cream occasionally um those bacteria uh, pose serious health risks especially to young children so yeah a 355 uh, 57 rather page complaint with exhibits uh, was filed on January 23rd after years of attempts. This is my, I, I love how one word can really just, um, uh, zing 
um, or, 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 you know, t- turn the knife. And uh, the AG filed uh, the 357-page complaint with exhibits on January 23rd after years of attempts by state and federal officials to bring the Miller, uh, the Millers, probably possibly. the Miller Farm, yeah, uh, the Miller Farm into compliance with food safety law. Oh wait, that's not what it says. It says with basic food safety <laughs> law. <laughs> and the thing is, is that again, this is an organization, the Attorney General and the. Uh, health inspectors in Pennsylvania, they have tried to do this the right way. They went, so there was an outbreak of something like an E. coli or a listeria. They tracked it to this farm, which uh, had not been inspected and was essentially operating under the radar, direct to consumer sales. Went there and said, we have to inspect this operation. And this fella, Amos Miller, just went, nah. And they were like, oh, no, no. So, like, you utilize services in the state you pay taxes in the state you own land in the state you have to abide by the laws of the state if you're going to be in commerce and he was like nah and then they took him to court and they won the right i guess to inspect and they inspected and it was bonkers and so then he countersued for sovereign citizen reasons which again is a completely nonsensical made-up thing yep because you can't be that and has just continued to operate with impunity this whole time because when you do things the right way, the people who are doing things the wrong way just continue doing what they're doing. And so now um, they're just going full bore on this. So the AG filed this complaint, quote, the filing outlines violations of Pennsylvania's Milk Sanitation Law, Food Safety Act, Retail Food Facility Safety Act, Unfair trade practices and consumer protection law. And that last one is the most important thing. They are not out to penalize people like Amos Miller. The point of that governmental organization is not to come down on people. That's how it feels when you get health inspected. You feel like you're being targeted. You feel like you're being um, singled out unfairly. And it's not. Consumer protection is the point of that. When I go to a grocery store and I buy something, I want someone who knows science stuff to have said this product is not going to hurt you. And the way that this fellow has been operating it, that's not true. Yeah. Um, I think that the last little bit is telling, and this may be when we were, it was first on our radar uh, efforts to bring the farm into compliance date back several years in 2019 uh, in a case involving violations of federal meat and poultry handling laws. Yeah. A federal court ordered Miller's Organic Farm to comply with Pennsylvania licensing requirements and all applicable food codes. After after multiple findings of contempt for failure to follow that order, Miller and his attorney agreed to a consent decree in August 2023, which remains in effect today, in which he affirms his, quote, independent responsibility for compliance complying with relevant provisions of the laws of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which seems like garbage because he could just say that they're all irrelevant provisions, right? He's, yeah. he's complying with the relevant ones. So all of this is just um, double speak for him to be able to do whatever the hell he wants because he doesn't think he needs to follow the law. Well, and federal commerce laws became important because he was selling across state lines. So to quote from the article again, the two recent E. coli illnesses reported by the Departments of Health in New York and Michigan are suspected to have originated from Miller's Organic Farm Raw Milk or Raw Milk Products. When you ship anything that you're selling, really, but in this case it's food, across state lines, it becomes a federal thing. Yes. This dude, in as much as he's acting with impunity and feels like not only is he above the law, but he's not uh, beholden to any of the laws anywhere, uh, now he's kind of poked the bear because the feds are not going to be shy about that kind of thing. Yeah. 
um yeah so we'll see i mean i hope the tactic works and that because uh, it's yeah i mean it, and it's not like at some point someone's gonna be like uh the this this attorney general stole this person's livelihood and stole this farm from this person it's like well they've had years to be able to comply to to bring this um you know to to bring their operation around and and so it's operating within the law so the only person responsible for any of this is amos and rebecca miller yeah well and so this is similar to the code enforcement deregulation in lewiston maine in as much as pennsylvania needs to be very careful with something like this because i'm a huge fan of small farms give me a small family farm any day that's got rad ice cream i'm there for that right I go to farmer's markets. I want to support these kind of people. However, public safety laws are there for a reason. And the reason is, you know who really gets hurt when there's an E. coli breakout, or outbreak? Children. Old people. People who cannot handle that stress to their systems, right? And who have no defense, right? Like, if a kid has E. coli, they can't tell you that necessarily. They're just going to tell you their tummy hurts, right? Yeah. And then people have died from these things. And so the minute Pennsylvania is like, you know what, Amos Farms? We believe you. You're a sovereign citizen, which, again, is not a real thing. You can go ahead and do that. How many farms in Pennsylvania are going to go, wait a minute, if this guy doesn't have to get inspected and pay for licensing and can hurt people and not be held responsible for it, I'm going to do the same thing, right? Maine's got to be real careful with letting this one town go super rogue on their enforcement of codes and building codes and electrical and plumbing and whatever. Pennsylvania has to, unfortunately make an example of this farm and say guess what if you are selling products they have to be inspected they have to be inspected in this way you have to give us access and if you're not doing it right we have to shut you down yeah like the uh like the people selling pizza without nutrition information or ingredients what was it in florida uh yeah with no (laughs) nutrition labels yeah it's like i can't do that those those exist for a reason anymore you have to stamp things with batch and with um like batch number and where they were made if you have multiple processing facilities just in case there is either an outbreak of a foodborne illness or right. a cross-contamination of an allergen right yeah. so uh it oh i don't know that you and i talked about this yet but there was a ballerina who died in new york recently yes i saw that yeah where this is complicated and i don't have all the details on it i especially don't have the names but that is not terribly important ballerina young 19 20 years old something like this she was very aware of her peanut allergy very aware of it very careful and there was one store nearby where they would buy snacks and cookies and whatever and to have in their studio ballerina hut whatever it is right and the store purchased these cookies bulk from a producer and repackaged them in their store with a printed label that was information from that bulk producer bulk producer changed their recipe for this cookie to include peanut butter somehow because it's currently being litigated like there's court cases going on now somehow the bulk producer changed their recipe for a particular cookie to contain peanut butter the store as well and so then the store got those repackaged them put the nutrition label on there that they had always used did not label it with peanut butter went to that ballet studio the ballerina ate a bite of that cookie and then she just fucking died right 
Store says producer did not tell them that the recipe had changed. Producer says they totally did and the store didn't relabel it properly. One of those two is lying. Yeah. Hasn't come out yet exactly who. Uh, but without question, a human being died because of that particular miscommunication. Whatever, the, whoever it was who was responsible, it doesn't really matter. Someone is dead. The purpose of all of these organizations, that all the health inspectors, all of the ag folks and all of that, is to prevent this stuff from happening. And when it does happen, punish the people who are responsible. That's what they're for, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, who the hell is going to know what's in your food? Yeah. And don't you kind of want to know? <laughs> 100%. And so if I'm buying cheese at the store and it happens to come from Ecoli Farms here, I want to know that, right? Yes. But if this guy, Amos Miller, has his way, I wouldn't know. Or at the very least, I would know it was from him. But I, if I hadn't read this article, I wouldn't know. He and his wife apparently run a real dirty operation. They keep getting people sick. Yeah. I wouldn't know that. That same burlap sacks we always used to <laughs> hold the milk. <laughs> So as much as I hate getting health inspected, even though I've, and I don't want to jinx it right now, but I've never once failed a health inspection in 30 years uh, of being involved with health inspections at one level or another. Um, I don't like it. Nobody likes getting health inspected, but it is yeah. an important part of the process of operating a food service establishment. You yeah. have to do that. It's part of the game. My last health inspection, they stuck a camera up my butt. <laughs> nobody nobody likes, likes nobody likes being health health inspected, but it, you know it needs yeah. to be done. Boy, if a health inspection included a colonoscopy, uh, that would not improve the experience at all. <laughs> it wouldn't make it as much worse as you than, than you would think. But yeah, it's it's uh, that <laughs> that would not be great. I mean, it's it's kind of like a restaurant colonoscopy, right? Because yes. you find out you're getting one, you quickly prepare as much as you possibly can and yeah. hope for the best. Yeah, 100%. And then you you party afterward if you if you get the all clear. <laughs> Nobody ever expects, well, you can't expect it. That's not how that joke goes. Uh, there's nothing worse than a surprise colonoscopy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't kink shame, but I'm just going to say that for me. For me, that would be terrible yeah oh man uh so i don't know like again we went to this farm in uh fort atkins wisconsin they had a big old store jones family farm everything there looked to me to be on the up and up i didn't see any amos millers hanging around the place uh, none of us got sick great i bet they get inspected constantly i'm a big fan of stuff like that but again no matter what you still have to play by the rules and the rules are there to keep people safe That's yeah all that it is you know, it's because the Amos Millers, they're in the uh, the hallway with the, the bad guy from Willy Wonka that's trying to buy the Gobstopper. <laughs> right. You know, he's he's in the, the alley. That's where he's like, hey, you want some cheese? Opens his coat. He's like, yeah. no, I don't want your I don't want your overcoat cheese. <laughs> Man. Uh, I feel like that's everything I have for today, Steve. I, I feel like I'm missing something, and we skipped last week, which I do apologize for. But uh, scheduling just did not work out. But I think, oh, do me one favor. We talked yeah. about this really briefly. But tell me more about the tea shop near you where you bought tea for my wife because she loves it. And it couldn't hurt to, to blow them up a little bit. Sure. It's Apotheca is uh, what it's called. Okay. Uh, and they, they're, they've got a very steampunk vibe. Well, so the tea that you gave her all came in like test tubes which is yeah. rad 
and they they have um a few a couple different displays and they're all like old industrial i i don't know if they bought them this way or if someone's created them but like the one like has a crank and gears and that turns it uh-huh. So you're not, it's not just a swivel thing that you're turning, but it's like this big cast iron thing that you <laughs> turn this gear and the rest of it turns. Um, and their, their, um, their logo or their, uh, yeah, I think is like, is, is a it's kind of a steampunk top hat. Okay. Um, and the place was kind of jumping when we went in there. Um, we went in, uh, that's the only time we've been in there, but I think there was like a red hat society or something like having a tea. <laughs> um, and they had um, they had uh, all these sample or uh, T flights is what they were calling them. Yeah, yeah. And um, they were all very fun. And like I told you about the one right that was um, uh, what was it the millennial millennial T flight. And instead of like telling you what the T's were, it was like uh, for when I'm depressed, <laughs> for when I feel this way about something, or for when I feel this yeah. way. And then in you know in parentheses it'd say what the T was. But um, so they were having they're having a lot of fun with uh kind of what they're what they're doing as well and it and it's um it's a fun little like almost you like you're walking into something off of diagon alley nice um you know uh here and not nothing i would have expected necessarily uh um here here in niles but uh well and it's nice to see people having fun with tea like that in as much as coffee's had it good for about a decade now. And coffee, I don't want to say coffee is topped out, but like the level of coffee appreciation in this country has come up a lot and has has remained high, right? Starting at Starbucks and going up, right? So you've got folks doing amazing work with small batch roasting and, and sourcing coffee from small farms and really taking the time to like know the people who are growing that coffee and featuring them on their packaging and in their literature that they have and stuff like that i was at a wonderful coffee shop in my old neighborhood just today i didn't buy any beans because i'm flush with beans right now from going to the (laughs) coffee and tea exchange but like i got a latte from them and whatever so tea i don't know a ton about tea my daughter's way into tea and as much as we have a cup of tea while we do her bedtime story every night my wife drinks a lot of tea but I, maybe it's just me, I have not paid attention to tea as a thing, but it seems to me that, at least when I was a kid, tea was just like one thing. It was just like Lipton's tea, right? Yes. Yeah. But now there's like a bajillion different things, and you've got people who are doing like this Apotheca place, like hand-making different blends for things. That's cool. I'm into it. Yeah. We need we need to get back, because it was a very, it had a great vibe, very cool place. Um, and I think you're right. It seems like th- so much w- that's going on right now with coffee is is making it less than coffee well, or yeah. something yeah. other than coffee, I guess I should say. Um, like cold foam. That's not coffee. It's something you're putting on coffee. Um, I, we've talked about this before. My my opinions about fourth wave babies, uh, it, well known that like, yes, coffee should be coffee flavored. It should be roasted darkly. It should be bitter. It should have a lot of caffeine in it. And that's kind of the thing. Like, you can have really good coffee that does that stuff. You don't need to make, like, super light roast Tanzanian pea berry that tastes like blueberries and bananas. Like, fuck off. That's not really coffee. (laughs) I would rather just eat those beans. You know what I'm saying? Like, it should be a dark roasted, rich, lovely, chocolatey, hazelnut kind of a thing. Right? Yeah. Uh, That's coffee. When you – yeah, what Starbucks primarily makes is milkshakes. They're either hot or cold. Yeah. Fine. Hey – They've nailed that market. They know exactly who they're selling to. Probably the same people who are going wild about Stanley Cups. That's fine. 
I'm not judging them for that. I don't drink that stuff myself. Yeah. So a lot of the work that's going on in coffee right now is like you just said, making it less coffee-y. Ah, I'm not here for any of that. Right. And, and I mean, I guess the same could be said for some tea because the, what's the thing? It's like, well, that's an infusion. It's not a tea. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, if I'm steeping it, I'm going to probably call it tea. Um, and, and I guess on some level, like my ignorance of tea is the same as kind of the, what I felt about coffee when I was in the UK. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can't, uh, can I have a cup of coffee? Yeah. What, what, what kind you want? No, no. This, <laughs> like the, coffee, coffee. Yeah, that should be the end of the... It's either yes or no. It's not a... It's like it's just... Well, uh, just hot water over, you know, coffee beans ground up in a... <laughs> right. For the, but there, there was no place... Like, I could get an Americano a lot of places, but you couldn't... I could not get a cup of coffee. And even the coffee, I think, at the hotel was instant. So, yeah, um, so it, yeah it's fun to, like, find the place that... Um, and I get... Granted, I haven't been looking. There's probably a lot more out there. But just, again, like I said, here in Niles, it's it's crazy that there's a place that's this um fun with tea well and to finish that up we've talked a lot about how location 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 was a big thing in restaurants for the longest time now it's kind of a crutch now it's a an an excuse well we had to close because you know we weren't in the right location in as much as the world is very very small these days a place like apotheca i bet you they do killer online business so it kind of doesn't matter where they are you know yeah and how expensive is real estate in Niles, Michigan? Yeah, true. Opening that place on Michigan Avenue in Chicago would be dumb. It would not be a great business move, right? But if you are servicing a very small population at a really cool, very cheap-to-operate shop and you're doing a ton of online business, yeah, Niles is probably a great spot for that. Yeah. I hope they are. I can't I, – for some reason I can't get into their website, but – they closed. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, they closed. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, because we are soft planning a road trip to see you and to go to that tea place. Oh, nice. We're not sure when, though, so that's the soft part of it. Like, it's been thrown out there as an idea. It's would be way more exciting than taking my kids back to a museum of dairy products. So. <laughs> well, right across the street. <laughs> Less museum, more shrine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they posted on their Facebook just three hours ago, so I think they're still around for okay, some reason. Good. Just just saying, oh, maybe this is getting me in, maybe not. It just it was just kept. Nope, you don't have permission to access on this server, so maybe it's my connection. I don't know. How odd. They don't want Indeed. to sell you any tea right now. Yeah, it's all right. So yeah, Steve, that's all I have in the tank for today. The uh, steak I ate sitting pretty heavy. I oh, know. it sounds like a children's book. The steak I ate. <laughs> We, so I was trying to figure out, because again, I'm just, I'm not tired of it yet. I don't, I, I love cooking for my family. I don't mind doing this stuff, but like my daughter still claims she hates potatoes, even though she'll eat fries or potato chips all day. My son's still not a huge fan of rice, unless it's a thing, unless it's like fried rice or, or, or stir fry, whatever. And so here's me looking at a cauliflower and a bunch of steaks. And I'm like, the hell starch do I serve with this? Because what I want is a baked potato. But we ended up having most of a loaf of sourdough that I made and most of a loaf of challah bread. So I was just like, if we need a starch and I'm sitting on like a couch's worth of bread, <laughs> we'll just have bread with it. And my wife um, discovered that Costco has a grass-fed milk uh, butter. So we've been getting this grass-fed butter at home. And it's salted, so we don't use it for baking. It's just toast butter. 
and that stuff's really really good so yeah i had caramelized cauliflower a giant ribeye and a piece of sourdough bread with uh grass-fed butter on it now i'm nice. very tired <laughs> i didn't really do anything today although i did go to two antique stores and a coffee shop but like i didn't really do much besides that so, yeah yeah you ate a giant steak i did feel really good about it though too <laughs> so yeah i have a bit of a challenging week coming up but i've got nothing going on next weekend and then i have the whole next week after that off which is rad because nice. it is we have a break at the school where I'm working. So I'm looking forward to this time next week. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, if you are a um, completely out of your mind Pennsylvania farmer and want to correct <laughs> us on uh, the vagaries of the federal government laws or if you're a health inspector, God bless um, – what was the other thing? Oh, pierogies. If you have a favorite pierogi place in Chicago, please feel free to get a hold of us at intheweedswbr at gmail.com or, you know, message me on my Instagram, which is Chef Ben Randall. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. If you just look up In the Weeds with Ben Randall and Steve runs a website for us. Intheweedswbr.com. We also had a chicken heist to talk about tonight, but I think we will hold that one until later because that article yeah. didn't have a lot of information in it and i want to look a little bit further before i talk about that nice because i do like a heist i initially yeah. thought it was the previous chicken heist we talked about with more detail but it's a different chicken heist in europe i think or in great britain and so i need to yeah i think learn more about that yeah all right boy give me those chickens we could do that entire thing in terrible Cockney accents. <laughs> Completely alienate our entire British audience of three people. Yeah. Man. Uh, I also have not watched any food-based movies recently, and I don't know of any that I need to watch, so I don't even have that to talk about. Yeah. And with that, for In the Weeds <laughs> with Ben Randall, I am Ben Randall. And I'm Stephen Cadwell. Talk at you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>